Hello everyone and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons, our wee podcast about tackling and coping with some of life's challenges, hosted by me, Jenny McIntyre, and founder of Let's, Michael Byrne. Hello everybody and welcome to When Life Gives You Lemons. We're now on series two, which is unbelievable. Um, And today, as always, I'm joined uh, by Michael Byrne. And we also have Paul Elliott from Mindshift Experiences back on the, uh, the podcast with us. So, um, how are you both? Very well, thank you. How are you, Jenny? Yes, I'm, I'm good. Thank you, Michael. How are you, Paul? I'm, I'm awesome. Thank you very much for asking. Um, it's good to speak to you again after the, the, the last conversation we had. So, uh, thanks very much for inviting me back on. I appreciate it. No worries at all. Um, I think, well... Last time we got to hear a bit about your story and yeah. um, how you've kind of overcome um, mm-hmm. a few struggles that you've had in the past and things like that. And mm-hmm. we kind of touched on um, what what you do now with Mindshift Experiences. Um, yeah. But do you want to maybe just kind of explain a wee bit more about, about that for us? Aye, well, Mindshift Experiences itself, um, well, it was something my partner and I, um, Zoe, set up. I've been doing um, or practising uh, new linguistic programming and hypnotherapy now for some time um, and we've ended up getting into um, different elements or aspects of like uh, empowerment um, type work um, like firewalking and stuff that we explained before that we did on the last mm-hmm. podcast and I thought you know with Mindshift um, experiences um, of course I'm involved with sports clubs and stuff like that and doing mindfulness and fitness training um, we thought we would sort of amalgamate it all into one and have it as a mind shift experience. Um, so whether it's fire walking, um, having a session um, of neuro-linguistic programming, maybe doing a glass walk or something crazy like that, um, we wrapped it all up into the one um, sort of box, really, um, that you can you can access us on Facebook and you can see what we're up to. Um, but the majority of stuff that we do um, certainly is uh, neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis-based um, and of course, getting people over their fears, and that's that's really where my passion is. Of course, when you heard my story, that's exactly um, from where I came from, and someone who was really insular and um, was allowing fear to get uh, to get the better of them, um, and and really have those sort of dark, depressing um, sort of thoughts that was that was holding me back from becoming. Um, the version I am today, but of course I'm not any finished article, I accept that. Uh, I've still got to work on myself every day as well, no one's perfect, and we just try and, try and continually better ourselves, you know. I think uh, it sounds fantastic, Paul, and I and I, and I know what Jenny said, but I really appreciate you coming on uh, and speaking to us again. What we wanted mm-hmm. to do in Series 2 was really just to give people the tools coming out a lot yeah. of how to maybe overcome whatever fears that they may have or apprehension yeah. because you know the world's changed from when we got into lockdown so absolutely one of the first people we thought of was yourself because of the mind shift experience that you've the, the business that you run but obviously the skills mm-hmm. that you've got as well and I, I love the whole NLP stuff and filling your mm-hmm. mind or tricking mm-hmm. your mind and I know we were just talking about that before we came on air there yeah. but yeah. I love all that and I, I remember someone gave me this famous uh, sorry this the, one of the best tips I ever got when I was struggling and it was about a particular person and, you know, whenever I thought of them, I was having a, rea- a real reaction to them. Um, and he off the cuff said to me, who's your favourite cartoon character? Mm-hmm. And I think I said something like Scooby-Doo. And he mm-hmm. said, OK, we'll have a wee chat. And by the time we're finished, every time you think of that person, you're mm-hmm. going to think of him as Scooby-Doo. 
mm-hmm. with a different voice and so on. Yeah, yeah, that absolutely. Alone, aye, that alone just made me laugh. Aye, it, it, aye. Thought, <laughs> and it worked every time I think of that. I just visualised the person mm-hmm. as, Scooby, as, as Scooby-Doo and how... Mm-hmm. Um, how uh, you know how how dangerous can Scooby Doo be? <laughs> so, aye, that's and, right. And I know there's more to it than that. And uh, aye, but that just that simple tool that that mm-hmm. chap used for me that day worked wonders for me, and I just thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And and these types of tools, when you start to drill into uh, NLP itself, it's it's kind of um, it, it's kind of looking at a, an anchoring um, um, technique that be used. Um, so. The anchoring is that you know you you would whatever it is you look at this particular person and you've anchored them to a certain cartoon character, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of allowing that you know the anxiety to build up and stuff like that, you can actually you can put a smile on your face. Uh, but a wee question for you then, if we're talking about anchoring um, and we look at you know some examples here of um, anchoring tools, certainly, and 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 just bring it to life a wee bit for people who are listening just now. Okay. If I was to ask you where you were. Back in, I think it was 2002, September the 11th, um, when the terrible, terrible uh, terrorist attack happened in New York, where you were. Now, Jenny, you might be far too young for this, so Michael, <laughs> Michael, I, I know I know Michael's um, an elder statesman, shall we say, without wanting to put his nose out of joint. Um, <laughs> no, not at all, mate, not at all. But you would be able to recite, I'd imagine, where you were when that, that incident happened. I was in Dubai on holiday, okay. so I know, okay. exa- I know exactly where I was. Yeah. And the call turning the TV on, and that's the first time I've seen it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's an example of a negative anchor. Now, you've anchored that completely unconsciously, um, because mm-hmm. it's such a mm-hmm. large world event that happened, and it, it changed the way of life for so many years. Um, so, some people, when asked the question, they can recite what they were wearing, exactly where they were sitting. You know, um, if they were eating at the time, they can remember what they were eating. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I was to ask you um, five days ago where you were at this particular time, you would struggle to recite that um, mm-hmm. because there might not have been something that you would have anchored to that particular day. Um, yep. So it's amazing how you can remember 18 years ago, um, but you can't remember five days or you can't mm-hmm. remember a week or whatever, two weeks. Um, and that just shows you the power of anchoring. Jenny, have you ever uh, turned the radio and a song's come on and it's, uh, you've thought of someone, potentially? Um, maybe someone who's passed or something like that. Um, and it reminds you of that person and maybe builds up some emotion within you. Yeah, absolutely. 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 We, we, all, we all have that. We all have that. And, and you know what? It's just, putting a, it's just putting a wee process onto it and a label and saying, well, that's anchoring. You're anchoring um, an emotion of someone um, who potentially has passed or someone that you love that reminds you of that particular person. Um, so anytime I hear uh, Paul Weller now, who do you think of? <laughs> well, I'm being completely, <laughs> completely honest. Anytime now I think of Paul Weller and that haircut and stuff, I automatically anchor it to Michael Byrne. <laughs> and and that's and that just shows you how anchoring can work. But you can, and have, I suppose it shows mm, you that it's it can be positive or negative. It can be, it can be, and that's a lot of the stuff that we do certainly with. Um, um, with sports clubs and stuff like that, and people who are um, attempting maybe to get a wee bit of a better version of themselves, maybe maybe stopping some anxiety happening within the body, um, because anxiety is completely real. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it happens, and I think that you know it's something that we need to accept in our lives. You know, um, it's going to happen. Um, uh, it's how we control it. 
um, can we control it? And you can control it by using things like anchoring techniques. Like Michael's just touched on that there when he's talking about this particular person. It turns into a cartoon character and how that then controls that particular emotion within the body. Because you've got two sides to your brain. Everybody's the same. Whether you're a 200 grand a week football manager or you're a 200 pound a week guy on the street, it makes no difference. You've got two mm -hmm. sides to your brain. You've got intellect, you've got emotion. One side's intellect, the other side's emotion. And if you can tap into the emotional side of your brain, my goodness, you could really carve out your future because intellect will tell you the side of the brain of intellect, two plus two is four, and we know the answer. Emotion doesn't know the answer to that particular mm -hmm. question. But we all know emotion always wins over intellect. So we've all made decisions in our life potentially out of emotion when we know we need to pay back an intellect. Don't slam the door when you're having an argument. Don't slam the door from intellect. Don't slam it because you know if you slam it, you're maybe going to have to go and apologise. That's we're going to have to pay back an intellect later on down the line. Mm -hmm. But you do it anyway because emotion builds up and you go and slam the door. So these are different different things that, you know, if you could press pause potentially on, on that or you could look at anchoring techniques and you can anchor a positive um, then really, could that take away or give you more self-confidence to go out there potentially shopping amongst other people that you've not been doing for the last three months? Mm -hmm. If you could anchor something to get you at that door and go for a run, or as Michael was saying earlier, um, um, with his weights and stuff that he was doing, or your crazy burpee challenge that you were doing over two <laughs> hours, um, you know, and, and it's, it's just... It's just wee ideas, different wee ideas. And there's plenty of people out there that are NLP illiterate that know how anchoring things um, can really, you know, affect the, the, the psychology of what they're just about to go in and achieve rather than thinking about what's the worst that could happen here? Mm. Well, in actual fact, what's the best that could happen? And just imagining um, before you actually take that penalty kick, for example, if you're a footballer, um, imagining you celebrating after scoring the goal and getting that emotion built up within your body that you're going to achieve that particular goal. Mm -hmm. I think that sounds uh, brilliant, Paul, and, and, and I'm flattered that every time you think of Paul Welly, you think of me. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I totally agree with you that music yeah. for me is a massive anchor um, mm -hmm. through a whole load of things. And uh, in a different way, I see anchoring in other people loads of times. Whenever I'm doing talks or having conversations with people and the, the clutter comes up. Aye. Everyone will always tell me where they were when they heard about the clutter. Oh, well, there you go. I, I never ask where were you. People, when it, you know, if I'm doing a talk or someone yeah. will always come up and say, well, that night I was on a bus to or from or going to pick someone up when I heard about it. Mm -hmm. And it's such, I agree with it's such a powerful thing that people mm -hmm. can remember because it's, you know, perhaps the same will happen on events on uh, last Friday in Glasgow. So I think mm -hmm. it's a real negative, uh, sorry, it's a real anchor that you say. Mm -hmm. I think that as well, I think people don't realise, as you said, you've got two sides of their brain, but they can also have a choice on um, how they would let, how they want to think about things. And mm -hmm. there. See if, I think it's David Beckham, someone who always, in, it's a famous football player anyway, I remember reading that before he takes a free kick or a penalty, He's envisaged it, he's visualised it, he yeah. knows where it's going and he knows the emotions he's going to feel, as you said there, scoring a penalty or, yeah. or whatever. He's, yeah. And the minutes preparing up for it, he's visualised that whole, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the next two minutes of his life and that's exactly what he wants to fulfil. And I think that's yeah. incredible that we, we, once you know how to do that, that you have the power mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, if it gives you a wee, um, a wee 5%, 10% uplift on what you would normally achieve, then why would you not tap mm -hmm. into that? Um, you've got... For example, Tiger Woods, 
Um, if you watch Tiger Woods before he takes a tee shot, um, he'll spin his club and look at it um, twice. So he'll look at the top of his driver, he'll spin it, and then he hits the perfect tee shot. Because what he's doing is he's creating positive emotions within his body. Cristiano Ronaldo, um, and sorry you can't see me just now, but I'm standing as if I'm taking a free kick, and my legs are sort of um, parted, straight legs. Yep. These are these are particular positions that place the body in um, before hitting a, a particular shot, whatever it may be, um, and and, a, and imagining. Um, and it happens most times, uh, more times than not for this guy, but uh, imagining it going in the back of the net. So if, mm-hmm. it, if it gives you that wee 5% uplift of what you could achieve, we've all seen, we've all seen for example, you know, um, penalty shootouts. Um, Jenny, I'm sorry if we're going on that football chat. <laughs> no, no, here. no, you're fine. <laughs> um, but uh, but you, you, you maybe walk, you, you watch someone walk up to the penalty spot and you'll say, he's yeah. going to miss. He's going to miss. It's the body well, line. Aye, he's going to miss. Um, so it's about having that absolute core. And sometimes he doesn't, and you're like, oh my God, thank goodness for that. But it's about having that that um, real confidence in the, your physiology and, you know, puffing your chest out, being confident, stepping up. You know, Harry Kane, for example, will, will touch um, both of his socks before he hits a penalty, before he scores a goal. These are all different techniques that people will use that people will say, oh, this is just habit. Now, whether it's just habit or not, it's something that's ingrained within the, the sort of subconscious of Harry Kane's mind or Tiger Woods or whoever it is, that if they do this particular action, this physical action with their body, it puts them in a good place and they can imagine and recite, almost like we talked about the negative stuff, you can recite the positive of when he was 12 years of age doing that and scoring for fun in the park. I, and back the to the I think the first time I seen that, Paul, was... It's an English rugby player, Johnny Sunday. John, yes, remember. Johnny Wilkinson, I believe. Johnny he holds Wilkinson. his hands a certain way. Uh, yeah, the, the first the, person I ever seen mm. take the proper steps by, shape his body in a particular way, standing, and I think he held his hands in a particular way. He does, step, yeah, yeah. And visualize, you could see him, you know, although you can't sense his mm. mind, but you could see him exactly think, "This mm. is when I'm putting it," rather than just put, a, you know, the ball down and punt it, or whatever. Yeah. It's a ritual, isn't it? It's he's got a, a real good but, thing about him, you know. I know. Yeah, is that, is that kind of um, routine as well, and keeping every single thing the same? Because if you know it works this way, don't change it. So mm-hmm. Tiger Woods in his head knows spinning the club or whatever mm-hmm. two times, and he does that every single time. He knows that works. Yeah. Or or he believes that. He that believes. Works. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's the same with um, like when we are. Training or competing in weightlifting, if I'm going to, you know, sit in at the bar, yeah. I do it the same every single time because mm. I know it works that way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it gives you it gives you that sort of confidence. You know what? I'm prepared here for this lift, and there's a good chance if you're prepared for it, you'll lift it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you go up and you're ill prepared, then there's a good chance you won't lift it. Um, so it's almost like I know I do a lot of talk with NLP, and sometimes. I, I, I go on, I'm so passionate about it, but um, neuro-linguistic programme, just, just let's just break this down for people so we, people can understand what it is, because it sounds like a lot of big words and fancy words to make me sound as if I, 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 <laughs> as if I know more than anyone else. That's not the case. I've just studied it for 10 years and I'm very passionate about it. But neuro is your brain. We all know that. In and out MSG is happening. Thousands and times, thousands of times a minute without really you having to think about it too much it's a circuit board linguistics is your language you need to watch your words what you say you become there's no way around it 
If you say I can't run a marathon, you never will. Yeah. And last but not least, programming. And programming your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind, everyone has one. Jenny's no thinking about our, our hair growing right now. Michael, you're no thinking about your heart beating. It's about 10,000 times more powerful than your brain. But I would refer to your brain as uh, the mind monkey. Now, it's neuro-linguistic programming and ultimately programming the mind monkey to do what it's told. Everyone's brain is, is, is wired to keep them safe. Um, so if you're lifting that bench or you're doing those, those burpees yesterday, uh, uh, Jenny, you, you, your body's telling you to stop when it hurts. Or your brain's telling your body, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. But it's the unconscious, it's the drive, it's the discipline to keep you pushing forward, that keeps you going. I asked someone a question yesterday about motivation um, when I was doing a wee bit of therapy. And I said, look, how many minutes of the day, and it was someone who's you know looking to take up some form of exercise, how many minutes of the day are you motivated? Really? And that's a good question. So if I have to ask Michael, for example, what would you say in minutes would you be motivated throughout the whole day for the 24 hours? When I would say that in my in my workout days, okay, mm-hmm. so I, I try and work out every second. So say, for instance, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, mm-hmm. I would say that for the two hours that I'm in the garage, and that doesn't mean I'm working out for two hours, it's resting and all of that, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm motivated for those two hours to complete what I need to complete. Yeah. During the rest of the day, it would be piecemeal depending on what piece of what work. What it is you're trying to do. Does that make it, sense? It does, absolutely. Some people you could ask and say, you know, it depends. Everyone's got different um, levels of what we call motivation. I would say motivation's only a word. Mm-hmm. But some people say, on some days, I'm not motivated at all. Mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got no minutes of motivation um, or mm-hmm. I've got two minutes. Now in that two minutes, potentially I've been motivated today. I might have been in the shower. So I've missed my window of opportunity to go and get my running shoes on and go out and run. And it's just about getting people to understand, especially if you can think of, you know, people that are in a lockdown situation just now, as we all are, and you think to yourself, oh, I don't feel motivated, you know, I, I need to wait until the gyms move up, big, open back up and stuff before I can get myself fit again, all that type of thing. It's procrastination, um, but we, we, we know that motivation um, will only last a certain, I mean, if Michael's motivated for two hours um, to go into the gym, that's fantastic, but he needs to be motivated before that in order to turn, yeah. the, turn the key to the car. Mm-hmm. But the motivation doesn't drive him to the end of the workout. It's his discipline and his desire. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in the shower and I've got two minutes of motivation, by the time I'm out and I'm dried, it's gone. I've got to be disciplined. Yeah. I've got to have some sort of desire to say, look, I don't want to be going and doing this right now. But I know it's mind medicine for me. I know I need to do it. Um, and after it, it's going to release those endorphins into my brain and it's going to make me feel good. Mm-hmm. And that's the reasons why um, I continue in that sort of journey. You know, and just explaining how motivation can stop you in your tracks. It's like New Year's resolutioners. Um, mm. Someone starting a, a New Year's resolution and we'll do it on motivation through the media. Because of loads of adverts on TV, good food and all the rest of it. Midnight comes... First of January the next day, and you start to fall into the more or less the bad habits again because it's not just understanding the difference between that motivation and the self discipline and desire that's needed because it ain't fun yeah. getting yourself to change a diet or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So how how and I know it's this is by no means a simple answer, mm-hmm. um, but is there any kind of small technique that that we can use to 
kind of overpower that lack of motivation when we know we really need to be motivating ourselves or disciplining ourselves to to do a particular thing like go for a walk to get some fresh air yeah. or do, do yeah. a bit of work or or is there any kind of small techniques that we can use? Aye, well Michael, Michael touched on it very, very um, quickly there when he mentioned about his workouts and how many times he does them a week. So whether he's written that down or not, I would suggest writing things down. Um, the best thing to do, get a pad and paper, set your week out and say, on these days, I owe this. Um, so it ain't a choice. Unless, of course, I'm sick or I'm injured, I must complete this particular task. Mm-hmm. And I must feed myself good stuff. Um, writing things down and giving yourself a plan for the week is a fantastic tool. I, I often scare a lot of people off with this no days off mentality that Mindshift have. Um, and you think no days off... My goodness, Paul, what's that all about? That's crazy. It means you'd never have a day off. Well, it doesn't mean to say that you exercise every single day. Um, there's three parts to uh, my no days off that I follow. And people can try this. If it works for them, fantastic. And it's about keeping things really simple, especially this time. Just keep it simple. Number one rule of no days off, there's three. You must maintain a positive attitude. See the positive outcome. Um, when things aren't looking too good. That's a real test of the man or woman. Anyone can be positive when your bills are paid, um, when you've got a happy relationship, etc., etc. The true test is to be positive and do your affirmations, saying that you're going to have a do- good day when you don't feel like you're going to have one. The second rule of no days off is to feed yourself 80% of the time good food. And 20% of the time, you can, of course, we don't go silly, um, but we can still have our treats, etc. Because we still want a bit of enjoyment in our life. And last but not least, we exercise. As long as you're doing two of the three every day. So you might not exercise one day, but you've got a great positive attitude on you and you've ate well 80%, you're still winning. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll do three of the three. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll do one of the three. And that's just a good gauge for you. So you wake up, you're not really want to get into your work in the Monday morning. You don't feel too good. And that's it. You get a bit of negative attitude. Guess what? We're human. That's going to happen. Yeah. Two, you, you don't eat well that particular day, but you do some exercise. You're doing one out of the three. You're starting to go downhill. And I want you to recite in your mind and people who are listening and think about it. If you were to do zero out of the three, have a negative attitude. Don't eat well 80% of the time. Anytime you're feeding yourself not good food, not good nutrition, and last but not least, you don't do any exercise, what would your mental health be like? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, when I look at that, Paul, I, I uh, as I say, there I try and go into my garage, you know, all I have is a weights bench and a squat rack, very old, Aye. you know, and it's not, it's not high-tech in any way. But the benefits of that for me are that that regulates what I want to eat during the mm-hmm. day because I think, see if I'm going to go into the gym and try and lift a few things, I yeah. want to eat healthy lunch and then I want to eat healthy dinner and then at night I'll give myself a bit of chocolate so mm-hmm. it is that you know whilst I haven't specifically thought of it as an 80-20 it's like do you know what I'm you know, mm-hmm. 51 I want to have a bit of chocolate because if I don't have a bit of chocolate there's going to mm-hmm. come a point where for one day I might just eat a whole load of rubbish and I'll feel I'll feel everything I've worked for has been misrepresented so mm-hmm. it, it's that balance so I, I, I know that the benefits for me are that I leave oh I definitely I definitely know, Celebrity at night when B man's doing and you know the world's quiet for me, I'll get a bit of chocolate or something like that, and I'm okay with that. Um, so yeah. that, that exercise ah. regulates me as such for the rest of the day because if I absolutely, I just think, oh, you know, and one of the things I try and use, Paul, and maybe it's came from yourself, is that I try and think of how am I going to feel if I don't do these things? I'm going ah. to feel 
I'm going to struggle. I'm not going to be positive, and I don't want to be that because that mm-hmm. might well impact on my well-being. So for the sake of just going and doing it, and when I'm in the gym, sort of the garage, when I say the gym, it makes it sound like I've got... Aye. I'm in my garage. So if you're sitting in a mansion there. I know, exactly. <laughs> you're cool. There's somebody to say, oh, what one of the is that? And I'm like, do it, sign on, I've got to get but it's like if I'm going to lift something and I'm, you know, and I'm trying to tell myself or I'm telling myself I can do this, I can do this, and in two minutes' time I'll have completed it and I'll feel brilliant about it. Mm-hmm. Go through this and feel great in two minutes, you know. So it's probably just the techniques that you're talking about, but I just never knew them as NLP tips and all of that sort of I, stuff. It's just, I, it's just breaking it down and putting, like we say, putting a wee, a wee label on things and mm-hmm. saying, all oh, right, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. I understand that now. Um, I know I touched on um, about um, the intellectual side of your brain and the, the emotional side. Um, and that's that's more getting into the sort of hypnotherapy angle um, and just understanding um, how your emotions work and how they always win. A hundred percent of the time, your emotions will always win over your intellect. Mm-hmm. Always. Um, and a few of the wee things that I do um, in respect of, you know, just some examples and showing how you can tap into the emotions when you're doing um, mm. hypnosis with someone and you can get into that unconscious mind and you can open that box and release what you want to release out of there because everyone's got one. Everyone's got an unconscious mind. Everyone has the power of hypnosis within them. Um, we all we all have dreams. You know, We all do these types of things from a subconscious or unconscious state. So um, once you can tap into that, um, you, you can start to then um, put a label in that and say, well, well, that's the reason why I had road rage back mm-hmm. two, three years ago. That's why I done that because I wasn't learning to press pause. Mm-hmm. I, I never pressed pause in that situation. I had a real think about, you know, if I react in this way, what am I going to need to pay back? Mm-hmm. And if I do mm-hmm. these types of things, reacting at an emotion, and then and potentially it's not going to do me any good. And I think a big part of that, and you kind of touched on it there. Well, uh, a big part of that is understanding yourself and you and your emotions and mm. your intellect side and um that's unique in every single one of us and no, absolutely i understand for me that exercise for me is is me time and and i understand that i need that at least once a day so obviously mm-hmm. you can't physically exercise or push yourself to the extreme every single day but i mm. know i need that period where it's just me and I, and I don't look at my phone and I've maybe got my music on or whatever and I'm thinking about absolutely nothing. So on the days that I don't exercise, I know I still need that. So that's the days I maybe just go for a, a short walk or, mm-hmm. or whatever else. But Aye. for me, that's about understanding how what what I need. Mm-hmm. Aye. Um, which, is, which is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and well, how do you... Is, how do you got any tips then, Paul, on... I, I agree with you about the emotional mm-hmm. part of it. I think that whilst you like it or not, and you get some people who say, oh, no, I'm not emotional, and I'm, I'm not that. We all are. Emotional people as people who perhaps may cry or, or stuff like that, that, that outward emotion. Mm-hmm. But I think we are driven by our emotions and our mind, and I know that I've made mm-hmm. so, done so many things wrong just based on my emotions and kind of said to myself, well, if it feels right at the time, it is right, but mm-hmm. it's just been led by your emotions and your intellect would tell you that that wasn't anything. So mm-hmm. do you have any tips for, for well, for me, <laughs> and probably for mm-hmm. Jamie and all the listeners as well, but being rather selfish of how you would overcome that or, or some tips to help you cope with that emotional aspect of it? Aye, definitely. Well, first of all, it's raising it on the agenda and saying, right, we, we understand now and that there is two sides to the brain 
and what we act on emotionally, we there's no way around it. You pay back your intellect. And understanding that, you know, if that is the case and we know that emotions take over and we can react out of emotion, then there is a way to press pause on that. Mm -hmm. There is a way just to breathe and just to think before you react to a certain situation, whatever it may be, is that you can press pause and really think about it and say, well, if I, if I react in this way, by slamming a door or whatever it may be, or by, mm. by having an argument or all these emotions. Because the only thing that, they, you know, when you do these types of behaviours, and we all have in the past, and the only person that really hurts is yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, you're, when you're acting out of that rage, what it attracts is, it attracts that rage inside, you, you know, it's, it goes deep inside your soul. And you're the one that has to deal with that. But if you could press pause on that and think about it intellectually and say, well, if I don't react in this particular way, the guy's up my, my rear end on the motorway here. If I just just press pause, Paul, don't react. Because I used to be the guy there that would be screaming and shouting and all the rest of it and beat my horns. Just react. Don't, don't react to it and just, just relax. Because any time that I did do that, I could feel that anxiety building within me. And, you know, the only person that was hurting was me. The other guys probably were laughing in the, you know, in the distance. No bother. Um, so it's just about breathing. Um, and I don't know if you know much about um, breathing techniques, but 7-Eleven is brilliant. Certainly you wouldn't do it if you were driving a car, but um, breathing in through your nose um, for seven seconds and out for 11. And your body has no option but to but to just relax. And then it gives you the opportunity then to think about what you're going to do mm-hmm. rather than just going and doing it and then saying, oh, I wish I'd never done that. Yeah. And we've all done it. Absolutely. Mm. Powerful yeah. stuff, Paul. That's brilliant. It is. Mm. Um, really good. I'm, I'm taking a lot away from this. Mm. I've well, been in for seven seconds and out for 11. There, there <laughs> what, what a difference. I, when, when I'd done my firewalk course um, and becoming a firewalk instructor, and for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's, um, it's empowerment. So it's getting the mind over matter, fear, and understanding false evidence appearing real or false expectations appearing real. And could you get over the, the hot coals a thousand degrees? Is that possible for you to do that barefoot? Where when you go to Spain, for example, and you're, you're walking about the sand, it's dirty. So how can you do that? How can you get your body into a place where um, you can walk over these hot coals, these burning hot coals or glass or whatever it is we're doing? But when I've done that particular course, one of the, and I tell you now, guys, one of the most powerful, and if you ever get a chance to do it, I would recommend it. One of the most powerful um, uh, things that we learned um, on that, that particular course um, was was a breathing, was breathing exercises. Um, and these breathing exercises, I think it was, to be fair, I think it was over the course of about 30 minutes. I think. Um, there's music playing. There's a, there was a chap there with a, with a drum. And as the beat of the drum goes, you must inhale and then you must exhale. And then you inhale with the beat of the drum and then it gets faster and then it gets faster and then it gets slower. And it's regulating your breathing to that. I'm telling you now what an emotional experience that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in floods of tears uh, 15 minutes in. And not just me, there was another 30 people in the course. Everybody had the same reaction. It was unreal. Um, I was, um, you know, it was almost like you were, I was having a bit of an out-of-body experience. And that was from breathing. And that's nuts. Um, you know, and it, it, it wasn't taking any uh, substances or anything. It was literally just pure oxygen, just getting in and out of my lungs. Um, I was hallucinating. I could see my grandmother coming towards me and saying, everything's going to be okay, son, that type of thing. 
and I can still see her face um, when when I'm talking about this to you guys, mm-hmm. um, and the sort of roof of the, the 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 place that we were in. It was so powerful. So any breathing courses that you guys can go on or are going to tap into it. It's difficult. It's really really tough um, to breathe like that. Um, with someone beating a drum and music playing and stuff, but it's so powerful mm-hmm. um, and uh, so spiritual as well. Yeah, really, really loved it. So tell us, uh, maybe for the last couple of minutes, Paul, I, I mm-hmm. thought, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure I've seen something recently saying that um, you're about to reintroduce uh, maybe firework, fireworking at some point, maybe. Uh, I, the year, is that right? I, towards the end of the year, I'm going to do a, another week. We, myself and Zoe have two public fireworks a year, guys. Um, <laughs> we don't do any more than that, um, just two, because we're, we're busy with charities and doing charitable ones and also um, funding for sports clubs, etc. So yeah. anybody that's interested in firewalking and getting the, the empowerment seminar before it or the motivational seminar is something you've probably never experienced before in your life. There's some challenges within that. Um, the, Michael, you, Jenny, you're going to have to come along and, and yeah, experience yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm for Dana right now. I, I, that's it. That's it. And then, and then, and then I, of course, and then by the end of it, um, you're, you're literally barefoot walking over burning hot goals. Um, so we do some, we do, I do a lot of NLP, um, so a lot, like, writing things down, um, writing down what do you want to extinguish out your life, and just have a wee think about that just now. What do you want ready? If you could, what would you want ready out your life just now? So write it down on a piece of paper, and then we go out and we throw all the paper into the fire and we light the fire. And this is a bit of symbolism to say that you're burning that from your, from, or extinguishing it from your existence. And then by the end of the evening, you're walking over it into your new future. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very very powerful powerful message, but not just that. There's there's some um, there's some real fear thrown in there for you as well throughout the course of the evening. Um, it, it takes about probably two and a half hours in total um, to to go through the full the full seminar and also walk over the fire. But it's probably one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. Um, this is coming from a guy that's been in the military, etc. Mm-hmm. Ran marathons and all the rest of it. Without doubt, firewalking's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a, it's a brilliant experience. Sounds incredible, Paul. I'm up it for really it. It does. For Absolutely. It. Let us know when it is, and, and we'll be there. Aye, well, well, Zoe's um, getting the numbers just now. We've got we've got some charity ones that we're probably going to do before before the the public one. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's aye, it's a it's a great experience, and the music as well is fantastic. Um, there's a lot of cinematic music. We do the inner superhero. I don't want to give too much away. No, no, of course. Um, but there's things as well like you'll be you'll be breaking things using your neck um, that you wouldn't be thinking you'd be able to do. Um, so, Paul, and... how could uh, how would anybody who's listening then, mm-hmm. uh, not just for the uh, firewalking and stuff like that, how would uh, anyone who may be interested in uh, your and Zoe's services then uh, get in contact mm-hmm. with you? How- Hi, um, you would just uh, go on Facebook, it's probably the best platform that we use, um, and you just type in Mindshift, all the one word, uh, experiences, and you'll find us. We're the only one there. Um, it's a photograph of me and Zoe standing next to a fire, would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so you're more than welcome to go in and have a wee, have a wee look at it and, and see the types of things that we do. We do a lot of mindfulness with kids. I think it's so important nowadays that that kids get, and, and this is with sports clubs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Although I do the sort of elite military fitness with them, I do I do some real good um, techniques and t- 
tell them about the inner bully um, and how it's not acceptable to have one, that type of thing. And mm-hmm. we do a thing called the, the Walk of Confidence, have a look at it. It's, it's basically boys um, all lined up beside each other and they give the opportunity to tell each other for 30 seconds really what they think of each other and what they bring positive um, to mm-hmm. life, not just a football club or not just a team um, mm-hmm. environment, but, you know, especially boys. I, you know, when I was growing up anyway, I never took any time out to tell my friends what I really thought about what mm-hmm. they brought good to my life. Mm-hmm. It was all it was all banter. Um, but these boys are no different. Um, but when you when you get them out of their comfort zone and you're doing that type of work with them, my goodness, how it really affects their real lives, you know. Um, but and still, and again, a lot of discipline as well. I expect them to like make beds um, for their mums and dads. I expect them to feed themselves good stuff. And if I don't, then it's all it's all punishable when they come back for their fitness. So it's best to do it. Brilliant. Well, mm. thank you so much, Paul, for, for coming on and telling us all that. It's been an absolute no pleasure. Um, I'm definitely going to be taking some of the, the, those techniques away with me today. No, it's lovely to speak to you again. Um, and anybody out there that's struggling just now, um, of course, you guys are there for, for everyone, as well as myself. And there's other people out there you can connect to. Please do, and please have a voice. Um, because I know what it's like, and so do you guys, um, what it's like to, to feel alone or feel low. Um, and it's a horrible place to be. It really is. But there is people there that are willing to give up their time and listen um, and show you wee techniques and hints and tips that you can you can almost put a label on, for example, which we've done with the anchoring, for example, in your linguistic programming today. And just understand it and say, well, this is how potentially I'm acting out emotion all the time. Because we now understand that emotion will always win over the intellect. So please reach out and uh, I really appreciate your time today and speaking to me. Thank you very much for having me back on.